it is very common for us to not pack for, let's say, a seven night cruise to pack seven nights of stuff or seven days and seven nights of stuff because you know there's an outfit change be- between daytime and dinner. But yeah, you, we'll you do. Wouldn't know, you wouldn't know it based on the size of our suitcases, but yeah. everybody this week's episode of the dcl duo podcast and i'm excited for this show sam are you excited i am super excited for this show <laughs> all right well we're excited we're excited because we get to bring a prior guest back uh and we're bringing her all the way fast forward from like season one into season three so this is great we get to talk a bit about disney cruising which we always love doing we get to talk about cruising internationally with Disney Cruise Line. And so lots of things to be excited about in the show. But let me start by welcoming our guest, Ashley. Welcome, Ashley. Well, thank you so much for having me back. Yeah. Yeah. Ashley was on episode 36 uh, in August of 2020. She did a bonus episode about her family's trip to Walt Disney World. And uh, right when, man, the pandemic was in full swing by that point. So really appreciate her being on for that show, but excited to have her back. Yeah. And and Ashley, we want to first say thank you to you and all of the other healthcare workers out there internationally um, and in the U.S. for helping to keep as many of us safe as possible from this crazy virus, this crazy pandemic that's been two years going now, two years plus in other places, two years here in the U.S. Yeah, um, it's my pleasure. I love what I do for work and I'm hoping that we're on the tail end of this so we can keep planning our Disney adventures and having success with keeping the vacations going. I also wanted to thank Ashley for a different reason, which is, I think, on every show, well, I know at the end of every show, we tell people, if you've got topics, reach out to us, email us. And we've had a few, more than a few guests now who have done that. And we were talking with Ashley off air. One of the most difficult parts of any podcast and one that's been running for, you know, two years now is making sure that you've got relevant topics and great people to talk to them. And so we always appreciate it when our listeners reach out with topic ideas. We love it even more when they offer to come on like Ashley did. So uh, fantastic to have you back. Let's start, Ashley, with your Disney cruising background to refresh folks' memory from all the way back in August 2020. What is your background with Disney and Disney cruising? Well, I was very fortunate as a child to be able to go to Disney World with my family pretty much yearly. Um, We were from the Midwest, so we mainly go down to Disney World, but we did have a couple of trips out to Disneyland. And as I grew up, uh, my then boyfriend, now husband, was able to join us for a few trips and became indoctrined to the idea of Disney vacations. And that tradition has continued with our family. We have two boys that are 10 and 6 that when we love going to both Disneyland, Disney World, and most recently in January, we celebrate our uh, oldest 10th birthday on the Disney Dream for our first cruise after many, many cancellations like many other families. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. So you were on the, you were on the dream. What uh, was it? Uh, what was the cruise that you did on the dream? It was just a quick three night. We just really wanted to take them out and celebrate the big double digits. Nice. Well, you've set the bar high for your six-year-old now. So uh, <laughs> well, even the 11-year-old or the 10-year-old, he's like, mom, I'm turning 11 next year. It's my right. golden birthday. What are we going to do? <laughs> he wants to go on another Disney cruise. <laughs> do you blame him? I want to go on a no. Disney cruise for my birthday. <laughs> I fear for my son's vacation quality once he's uh, once he's an adult. is a gold castaway at age eight. Like it's, it's really, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> Ashley, we've got you on today because you reached out with a great idea, which was to talk about international cruising, uh, and especially international cruising with Disney, uh, as we're heading into that season, uh, ships will be repositioning themselves over to, well, the magic will be repositioning itself over to Europe here in not too very long. And so it's a good time for folks to start thinking about planning for those cruises. But we, like you, are planning our first trip with Disney Cruise Line overseas. We are doing a seven-night Norwegian Fjords cruise out of Dover. And Ashley, you are kind enough to get the ship warmed up for us and bring her over from Copenhagen. So excited to talk about your cruise. Um, let's let's talk a little bit more there for a second. Ashley, what is your itinerary on the magic over in Europe? Now, we have a one-way repositioning cruise like you shared. Um, it starts in Copenhagen. It will go over to Norway for one stop. Um, we are going to Iceland for three stops. We're going to go all the way around, including the Arctic Circle. We'll come back towards the British Isles. We'll have two stops in Scotland before finishing up in Dover, England. I'm really excited to have a wonderful Northern European itinerary. 
Yeah, what a fantastic itinerary that sounds like. Wow. Uh, I'm very jealous. That sounds like an amazing trip, especially I've always wanted to go to Iceland. So um, really cool to hear you stopping over there in Iceland. Well, let's let's I mean, let's talk planning here. Where should we start, Ashley? You want to start with booking air travel, perhaps? Wait, but let's rewind before that, because I want to know why and how you decided to pick this particular itinerary. Disney Cruise Line has a bunch of different itineraries over in Europe. They've got the British Isles. They've got the Norway. Obviously, this repositioning cruise. What made you choose? Greece. They've got Greece. Greece, got right. Spain. The Med. Yeah. Exactly. So what, what made you choose this itinerary before we jump into the, the other part of planning? Like I shared, uh, we had a lot of Disney Cruise uh, Line vacations planned. And unfortunately, they were canceled due to the pandemic. So we had a, a very healthy onboard credit situation <laughs> going on. So we just decided to keep collecting and rolling over and decided to take this wonderful, probably once in a lifetime grand trip overseas. Nice. And did something attract you to the the Iceland Norway aspect of it specifically or the 11 nights or yeah what what about this itinerary caught your attention? It was definitely the Icelandic portion of the cruise. I would love to see the Northern Lights, which I don't know if I'm going to be able to be so lucky, as well as their healthy whale watching in the summer and possibly some puffins which are just cute adorable birds that my kids love. Oh my god, puffins. That oh, that would be incredible. <laughs> I mean, it sounds fantastic. I did like we we decided to do Norway because we had heard such amazing things about the fjord. So I think I think you're, you've got a great cruise as well. It's going to be fantastic. But let's rewind to my earlier question, which is, well, Ashley, how how are you getting there, and how did you just how did you land on uh, your airline and and all of that sort of stuff? Airlines are definitely the probably the trickiest part coming from the Midwest, how to get overseas. Unfortunately, I do not live near a central hub for airlines. So it was a, a decision to make of which major airlines that we're going to go with and which city we're going to travel through to minimize with kids the length of the time, as well as getting there with the least amount of hassle of checking and rechecking bags and customs in many different spots. And so what we decided to do was look at some non-US based airlines. They seem to have the best pricing and the flexibility to get overseas. So we ultimately decided with Air Canada. And uh, luckily, like I was sharing about, I was worried about checking and rechecking bags and adding time to that. Um, We found out that Air Canada actually partners with some United flights. So when I get checked in in Iowa, my bags will magically arrive in Copenhagen when we do. (laughs) Nice. Oh, that's great. That's really that. important. I will say, we, so we are, we're going to London, not Copenhagen. Uh, and there is, we do have the benefit of a direct flight from Seattle to London on Virgin Atlantic. British Airways also flies out of Seattle to to London. I will caution folks with one thing with the international air carriers is to pay close attention to their pricing because Virgin Atlantic's pricing was so much better than British Airways. And when I dug into why, it's because British Airways, the ticket price nearly doubles with their surcharge fee, I will call it, for foreign travelers. So just just really do shop around. And But I 100% agree with you, Ashley. If you can get there in the least number of flights possible. We were, we were also planning a trip over to Munich and Budapest for a Christmas markets cruise that folks on the podcast will have heard us talk about several times. Spoiler alert, we have moved that cruise out one more year. Uh, we are rebooking it out for a year. But as I was looking at flights for Munich and then getting back from Budapest, I was gravitating immediately toward flights where it was you know maybe one flight from Budapest to someplace and then a direct flight back to Seattle. So I, I 100% agree minimize that flight time because it's brutal. How are you thinking about flying with your kids? 10 and 6, that's a long flight. We have struggled with, oh my God, will Nathan actually sleep on board an airplane uh, if we're flying at night? But did, did you think about the timing of the flights or do you think your kids will be able to sleep on board? Just curious how you're navigating that. Yeah, those are some great things to consider. And um, we did that very heavily decide what pros and cons, you know, placement, do we do economy? Do we do business class? And ultimately we decided to do kind of a mix of the two. So when we are going over to Europe, we decided to give ourselves a little extra room and have those uh, lie down seats for the children. So that way you can hopefully start the vacation, not being too exhausted. And then on the way back, when we're already so tired from 11 nights of nonstop Disney fun, that hopefully we can just have some time to just pass out on a regular seat. So we were able to save some money that way, as well as get some more flexibility in the types of flights that were available. 
that's a smart way to do it too, because you're going to be losing hours going, but gaining hours coming back, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I always yeah. think that. Yeah, I mean, the strategy that I have always had, because I've, I have, for full disclosure, I've flown over to Europe many times for business. You want to sleep on the way there, so that because the flight will land in the morning or mid morning usually, and then you want to be able to get up, stay up, have a day, and then you know go to sleep at a regular time that evening. On the way back, it's the opposite where your flight will leave in the morning, but land, you know, early afternoon. And so you kind of want to stay up because you'll hit early afternoon and want to keep yourself awake to get to the end of the day to get, try to start getting back into your normal time zone routine. So yeah, I, that's a great strategy, Ashley. It's one we were actually looking at for our upcoming trip and and for the uh, the other trips we've been taking. So that's a great strategy to have for sure. And we keep a travel watch, an old school analog watch. That's always on our time in central time. So that way, whenever we are needing to travel, we can always keep ourselves accustomed to what time it is back home to help, like you said, stay awake when we're supposed to be awake back home, sleep when it's time to sleep. So that way there's a less of an adjustment and jet lag as well as exercise, hydration. Yes. Exercise, hydration, getting plenty of sunlight too. Uh, I have have heard is a strategy like the Olympic athletes use is making sure they're getting light during the right times of the day so that their uh, circadian rhythms stay the same. So it's it's fascinating. Well, you're getting over to, you're flying to Copenhagen. Another aspect of this, I guess, Ashley, is that open jaw piece, right? You're not doing round trip from Copenhagen. You've got to buy essentially one-way tickets uh, each direction. Did that cause any difficulty for you with you know, with the uh, airline booking? It did, but it also allowed the availability to, if needed, we could select a different airline. It was going to be at a, possibly a better price. Um, ultimately, we found out that Air Canada was the best for our itinerary from going from overseas in both Copenhagen and uh, Dover to the Midwest. I was able to find that when they are having their sales. So I originally booked it, found out they lowered the price later, spent four hours on the phone, but I was able to save quite a bit of money. Hey, sometimes it's worth it. Yeah. Well, that's something that you mentioned was that you, it sounds like you had booked the tickets, but then you rebooked them. So a good reminder for folks to keep checking the airfares, if I'm understanding correctly. Yes. Placing yourself on hold with the airline can ultimately save time and money in the future. So it was well spent. (laughs) Nice. Are you flying over and spending some time in Copenhagen before the cruise? Yes, that is correct. I'm really excited to explore the city and find some time to see the different areas. Like uh, my kids are big into Lego. So possibly going over to the place of the Lego, seeing the Little Mermaid statue. I'm super jealous about that. I really would love to see Lego headquarters. That's amazing. I know. I think I'm just as excited as they are. <laughs> well, the, the pre-cruise portion of this has some planning to it then as well, Ashley. I know, you know, we're flying into London and Sam and I have visited London many times and have some of our favorites. So, you know, we gravitate immediately toward the hotel that we always like to stay at and, uh, you know, the restaurants and things that we enjoy going to, although we we branch out and try new things. First time in Copenhagen, how did you go about figuring out, you know, where you're going to stay? And uh, have you thought at all about yet how you're going to get to from the airport? So we decided to look at ABD, Adventures by Disney, for some possible ideas. They have at some of their ports overseas, some things called short escapes that are for the cruise line specifically that you can do a couple of days pre or post uh, your cruise. And we got a lot of great ideas. They have, they list, if you look on the full itinerary, the hotels that they're staying at, where they are eating, as well as some local attractions. So we Without having to do the actual Adventures by Disney trip, we were able to have our kind of our own mini Adventures by Disney cruise trip. That's that's very great idea. Yeah. So for people who don't know, ABD trips. You know, they obviously Disney is is vetting those hotels and excursions and itineraries very heavily. And so that's a, a really good tip for finding a hotel in a city that you've never, you know, been to. Um, if if it's a if it's a hotel that ABD currently uses or has used in the past, it's it's probably pretty nice. <laughs> for the ABD hotels that they have, they also will provide transportation from that hotel to the port. So we're actually taking Disney transportation from the hotel to the port. I've realized we skipped a step here, Ashley, because, you know, when you fly over into a foreign country and you hit the ground, you need to have citizenship documents ready and all that sort of stuff. Did your kids already have passports or did you have to go out and get them passports? Uh, we have had passports because we were planning a cruise in 2020 before everything, uh, the world changed. So we've had those passports for a couple of years now and they haven't quite gotten as much use as we wanted. <laughs> 
Well, it's a good tip for folks out there. It's good to hear you already had them because uh, passports are taking a lot longer these days than they have in the past. So if you're thinking about an international trip right now and you don't have passports, especially for your kids, you you need to be thinking about the lead times right now and researching options for how to get them those passports. Also, double check your passport before you leave. That's my other big tip. So typically you can't enter a country unless your passport has some amount of validity left to it. Typically it's tied to the number of days, weeks, months that the country will allow you to be there on a visitor visa. And And a a lot of countries that's six months. Now you have to check per country, but for you want to make sure, I would say as a general rule of thumb, make sure you have at least six months. If you have less than six months, you're going to need to check. Yeah. So pull out those passports, dust them off if you haven't used them recently, or even if you have, sometimes you forget when they're going to expire. Make sure you got at least six months left on the passport. And if not, you need to start thinking about renewing it well ahead of your trip because it's taking a lot longer these days. So, well, and how, so you talked about using Adventures by Disney to figure out where you're staying. And it sounds like fortuitously, they also have transportation from the hotel. Have you started thinking about what you're going to do in Copenhagen, looking at tours and such, and what kinds of uh, resources you've been using there? One of them, my best resources has, was actually the unofficial guide. It's Disney Cruise Line 2022, but I believe they have their new one coming out shortly that has a plethora of information of the different cruise ports, any cruise port that Disney goes to. So that was a wealth of knowledge. It was talking about Travoli Gardens that has one of the world's oldest wooden roller coasters. Uh, there's, like I shared, the Little Mermaid statue. Uh, it has just a gorgeous walkable city harbor area that you can look at at night that a lot of people, including the unofficial guide, says it's an excellent use of your time. Nice. Yeah. Uh, the unofficial guide has come out. It was published on the 15th, the newest one. We have we have one, not in my hand physically, but we have one in our house somewhere. <laughs> and full disclosure, t- Touring Plans is a, is a sponsor of the show, as all of you are probably aware if you listen through to the ad. Uh, and they are... They publish. I don't know if Touring Plans publishes it, but they are affiliated with the unofficial guide. So I want to just call that out. But we do love them. And Aaron Foster, Lynn Testa, and they've got a new co-author this year. His name is escaping me. Great resources for that stuff. I will also call out TripAdvisor, which I know has been around for a long, long time. What I like to do is go on TripAdvisor. And we have really gotten into a mode with a lot of cities that we travel to that we've been there before. And so we're not looking for uh, the hop on, hop off bus tour or, you know, we don't need a guided tour of the Tower of London. So we're always looking for kind of what I'll say is off the beaten path kind of tours or different kinds of tours. So TripAdvisor has helped me find things like running tours in London and Munich and Prague. Jack the Ripper tours and Jack Harry, Potter tours. Harry Potter tours. <laughs> And not Harry Potter tours that are going up to the studio, right? But people leading you around areas of London that helped inspire J.K. Rowling's, you know, Wizarding World of Harry Potter kind of thing. So, uh, so those kinds of tours, food tours. In New York, we've done tours of the High Line, graffiti tours, stuff like that. We found them all through TripAdvisor. And so that is a great resource if you're kind of looking for those off the beaten path things. Other thing I'll put a plug in for is private tours. And so a lot of folks will do hop on, hop off bus tours not knocking them. They are great, great way to learn the city in a very quick way. I I have done them before I will do them again. But I've also found that sometimes we can get, it's not going to be as cheap as a hop on hop off bus tour, but it's a reasonably priced private tour. So in London, for instance, we had a private black cab tour of the city uh, one time, Sam and I. And the, the amazing thing about it was it would go down nooks and crannies of you know London that the buses couldn't, and if we wanted to stop someplace, we could. We didn't have to you know wait for the bus to stop wherever it was going to stop. The cab would stop where we wanted it to. Driver was super knowledgeable. We could just pepper him with questions all along the way. It wasn't stuck to a specific script. If we didn't want to stop at a particular location, we're like, nah, we seen it before. He'd be like, great, let's go to the next thing, right? And he had kind of the extended version of his tour if we were not into some of the main sites. So I think those are. It's a fantastic resource. I think uh, TripAdvisor is, and I think finding some of those private experiences or small group experiences can also be a great way to make friends, meet people, see parts of the city you might not otherwise. So I'll put my plug in there. Sam, anything that uh, you think about international travel? I do most of the planning, so I don't know. (laughs) You're sort of at my mercy sometimes. That's true. That's true. I I do think uh, about a couple of things. One thing I would say is if you want to do none of the planning yourself, there are sometimes ABDs that sort of coordinate with a cruise either before or after. 
And so that's a way if you would like to experience the either the city that you're starting in or the city you're ending in, if in particular, if they're different or even if they're the same, you can sometimes tack on either the front end or the back end, like a two or three day ABD in a particular city. So that's one thing you can do if you don't want to do really any of the planning, they'll take care of all of that. The other thing that I would uh, start thinking about, and we'll get to this topic, is food, not just food tours, but some major cities, you need reservations for dinners, for example. So that's something you want to look into. TripAdvisor can help you with those kinds of things and or just asking in, you know, various travel groups, Facebook groups for recommendations in a particular city so that you can make some reservations ahead of time is always a, a good planning tip. Yeah, uh, I think the website is called Viator, V-I-A-T-O-R. It's also a great place to go look for things and you can buy tickets directly through them. I think you can also buy tickets directly through TripAdvisor. So that's another good spot to head. And they have an app that will store all your tickets in uh, in one place. All right, Ashley. So you're, you've you've got plenty to plenty to do and see. It sounds like in Copenhagen, a wonderful place to stay. You've got transportation to the port, a fabulous Disney cruise. What else are you thinking about in terms of planning? I'm actually curious if packing has creeped into your mind yet. <laughs> I'm always up for packing. <laughs> My family always makes fun of me that I have lists upon lists, sticky notes of outfits and different things that we're going to do and have to wear and bring, as well as packing cubes. Those are a godsend for any long trip. Now, are you the, uh, we've heard about people who pack outfit by outfit in a packing cube, or are you going uh, a little bit more organic than that? Well, since we're at the Disney cruise and you know, you're, the cruise, the, that's the best part about seeing multiple countries on Disney cruise line is that your hotel room stays with you. So I am more for packing by person so we can just unzip, put them in a drawer and be set to go enjoy the, the ship versus looking day by day. <laughs> Well, we need to take a quick pause in the action here to thank our amazing sponsors over at Touring Plans. We use Touring Plans Travel to book our own Disney vacations and just love, love, love our Touring Plans Travel Specialist. She waits on hold when we don't have time. She monitors cruise deals for us and rebooks to get us lower rates on some of the cruise lines that actually where the prices actually do go down, <laughs> like Disney Cruise Line. Uh, so she does watch those rates for us and rebook. She steers us toward cruises we would like and room categories and gives us suggestions. And so while we have our preferences, she's always there and available to help us out. And when we plan a parks vacation, it's just gotten so complicated of late with all the new Genie technology and everything. Like I need to rely on someone who really understands what's going on. And she absolutely helps us there as well. So we love the folks over at Touring Plans. What we love most is that the philosophy of Touring Plans aligns with the philosophy of our own podcast. We're not out to sell you a Disney vacation. We're not travel agents ourselves. And so we just like to give our honest opinions and reviews. And I think you'll find the folks over at Touring Plans will also give you their honest opinions and reviews of different sailings and ships uh, and steer you toward the thing that they think is the best for your family. So Remember, you don't pay anything extra to use a travel agent, especially when booking Disney vacations. Disney pays the travel agent at the time you travel. You're leaving money on the table. If you don't use a travel agent, you're certainly leaving expertise on the table if you don't. So we highly recommend the folks over at Touring Plans. Head over there. Check them out. Touringplans.com slash travel. Let them know the DCL Duo sent you to help support the show. And with that, back to our episode. You know, we talked to somebody recently who did an Antarctic cruise, which is an extreme, right? But he was, you know, in a warm weather climate, then down into Antarctica. And, you know, I, I sort of made the comment, like, how do you pack for something like that? And, you know, he kind of explained his thinking. But like, I'm wondering if you're going to experience a bunch of different climates and having to drag multiple different things along. Are you thinking about doing laundry while you're on vacation? Or how are you approaching that kind of uh, from a packing standpoint? I think the answer to that is yes and yes. Uh, we will probably <laughs> be doing a lot of layering, you know, wonderful Wayne, rain jackets, wind jackets, sweatshirts, um, things that we can take off during the day and put in our backpack, as well as most likely having to do laundry, you know, with kids and even yourself, you just don't know how the day is going to end up if what you're doing is more strenuous than you imagined. So you dressed too warmly and then you have to have more dirty clothes and then spend some time back on the ship in the laundry room. Absolutely. You know, that's something we do even when we are just sailing in, you know, the Caribbean or Mexico on the West Coast. 
it is very common for us to not pack for, let's say, a seven night cruise to pack seven nights of stuff um, or seven days and seven nights of stuff because you know there's an outfit change be- between daytime and dinner. But yeah, you, we'll you do. Wouldn't know, you wouldn't know it based on the size of our suitcases. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I definitely always pack laundry pods and dryer sheets and plan on doing laundry on board. I end up always doing more laundry than I anticipated because I hate coming home with lots of dirty laundry. And then, you know, we don't use usually use the the cleaning, you know, like sort of the dry cleaning service on board we have. And that's actually not too bad if you've got like some dress clothes that you need to have cleaned and pressed. I would say it's not just not too bad. It's actually pretty good. Like we've heard from people before that getting your suit cleaned on Disney Cruise Line is less expensive than what it would cost at your local dry cleaner. So I do think it's, you know, check it out if you're on board. And for full disclosure, I'm the one always telling you just send it out and get it laundered. Like stop worrying about laundry. You're on vacation. But yeah. (laughs) Yes. But honestly, I I prefer to do my own laundry than to have somebody else do my laundry. And then I, I have control over it. I, I, nothing's getting lost. And yeah, I would rather just do it myself. It's, it's one other tip that I would bury in here, not just on the cruise, but pre-cruise. So I mentioned before I traveled a lot to Europe and I would pack a carry-on bag and go for a week or 10 days at a time. But what I found is like in London, we found a place that would basically, they they you'd get a bag from them, you'd put your dirty laundry in it. You'd sort of tell them how you wanted it done and, you know, folded and washed separately or not, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, they would pick it up from the concierge at your hotel and drop it back off at the concierge at your hotel overnight, right? And so it was not cheap, but it was not expensive. I mean, it was laundry by the, the bag load, basically. And so that was a great way, like what we would, what I would do is I would always try to schedule them to come service my laundry probably about two days before I headed to the next city. That way, if anything went wrong, I had an extra day, which one time in Dublin it did. They delivered my laundry and half of it was missing and they ended up finding it and getting it to me. But because I had that extra time, I wasn't like missing half my clothes on the way home or something like that. But there are those services there. You can go on websites, TripAdvisor, just look for, you know, local pickup drop-off laundry. The other thing I've done is look for local laundromats basically near my hotel. Just feel, you know, I figure I can, I can go spend an hour reading a book and getting my laundry done and bringing it back. So don't miss out on those options too, because on land, it will probably be a bit cheaper than on board the ship always. So on the packing front, Ashley, I found we bring back lots of souvenirs. Do you leave room in the suitcase? Well, yeah. do, you, do you leave room in the suitcase or how do you how do you manage to save the space for the stuff you know inevitably will come back and that you don't want to have the huge weight limit issues on the airline? I agree. Souvenirs are my downfall. There's just something about <laughs> when you step into white caps, you just feel like you need everything. <laughs> What we usually do is try to find some things that we can leave behind if we needed to, you know, pajamas that might be just a hair too small or some pants that are on their last leg, literally. So that way we can, if we need to, let them be donated to the ship and then we have more space to bring in the, the suitcase as well as it's a good thing if the children need to have their backpacks and if it can't fit in their backpack unfortunately that's an easy way to say no <laughs> that's brilliant well both of those tips are brilliant like, sorry your your backpack can't get any bigger buddy sorry <laughs> <laughs> i i do i like the idea of the 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 pants or you know the thing that you might get one or two more wares out of but is probably on its last legs that's a really good idea yeah the the two tips that we have employed for this um well, actually, we have three. One is we'll take a bigger suitcase, but we'll only pack it half full. So that leaves half the remaining suitcase empty for this kind of stuff. That would be difficult on this kind of a trip. So I, I don't think that's the strategy we would use going to Europe. The other strategy we've used is we will pack kind of like a medium-sized suitcase that actually will nest into one of our larger suitcases. And so we will pack the medium suitcase, nest it into the larger suitcase, and then check the larger suitcase through so that when we get to the other side, we have basically a completely empty suitcase that we can leverage if we need to. We've also been known there are various kinds of these things, but we have some collapsible duffel bags. Actually, we have a couple different varieties. We have one from North Face that basically just packs into itself. It's made of that like rip stop material, packs into itself, takes up very little room in the suitcase. And so if we need a a small duffel bag to hold some things on the way back, we can just kind of unpack those. We have two of them. We also at one point bought a collapsible rolling duffel bag, which takes up a bit more room in the suitcase. But if we think we might come back with a lot of stuff, sometimes we'll pack that. So it collapses down, you know, to a manageable size in the suitcase and plenty of room for other stuff around it. 
We have faced the challenge of buying a suitcase in a foreign country because we bought a little bit more than we thought. Would not recommend trying that strategy on board Disney Cruise Line because those suitcases are expensive. But we have stopped by like a local luggage store or something in a foreign country and bought kind of a small piece of wheelable luggage or something, you know, to take home. And it is the most, the least expensive piece that they have, uh, which usually lasts maybe that trip, maybe a couple more, and then it gets destroyed. So we still, we still have one. So there was this weird looking yellow large suitcase that, that destroyed we, the last time your no, mom took it back well no she still has it she had to it, it got a little bit crushed but she she was able to kind of hammer it out for i can't think of that. that's from italy that's from italy no in it's 2000. not from italy it's from munich it's from munich and it's from tk max which is like the foreign sister the Walmart of munich yeah. of tj max <laughs> in the u.s so it has like the same logo it's really funny as like the exact same logo but instead of being tj max it's tk max but yeah, so we still we have we have done that. But I think that the one that we use the most often is the nesting one suitcase in another. It means that we end up having to pay, of course, usually a suitcase, a, a, an extra bag fee on the way home. But at least we're not paying the extra bag fee both directions. Well, yeah. Well, but that's another good tip. We don't almost never pay an extra bag fee because if you have loyalty status with an airline, make sure you understand what that gives you because we actually. We fly Alaska enough that we have status with them and we each get two free check bags both directions. So, and if you're flying, you know, Ashley, you mentioned that you're flying, uh, you know, kind of the lay flat category of seats on, on Air Canada, you know, pay attention to whatever class of service you're in on the airline. Also, you typically get higher weight limits and more luggage, you know. Uh, for the higher classes of service. So I think on Virgin, they'll typically cap you at 50, 50 pounds per bag, I think it is. But on if you're in upper class, it's 70 pounds per bag, right? And if you can pack a suitcase of 70 pounds, I want to understand what you're bringing, but 70 pounds per bag. So that's another thing to pay attention to. And just know that usually the international weight limits on luggage are also higher than the domestic weight limits for luggage. So you know, pay attention to those rules for the airline you're flying to know what you're allowed to bring and how much it will cost you because you can pack advantageously to that. And then I guess the only other tip I'll give folks is if you're over in Europe and you happen to be flying between cities for whatever reason, you say you decide, well, I want to go visit Munich and then head to Copenhagen. That's probably a little bit further than this would this would uh, this tip is needed for. But the smaller regional air carriers over there who use smaller planes, their overhead bins are a different size. So that bag that you have in the U.S. that fits easily in the overhead bin may not fit easily in the overhead bin of the airline you're going to fly between cities in Europe. And so they may force you to check it. So just be prepared for that and know if that might be the case because you maybe things in that bag you want to take out and carry on in a different bag so that you don't you don't have to check it through. So those are my general tips for packing. Anything we missed, Ashley, that you thought about? Uh, the only thing I would add is since we are not in a major hub city is, yes, we have that larger allowance for when we fly from the hub to overseas, but coming, connecting through Chicago back home in Iowa, we do have to then cautious of that 50 pound weight limit. So you have to kind of look at the most restrictive of your entire itinerary, unfortunately. Although I have found that airlines, once they've got your bag, they they tend to just pass it through. So hopefully it won't hit you too hard if it, <laughs> if yeah, it does. Yeah, on the way home, it might not be an issue if you don't have to uncheck your bag. So on the going is, is where it will be an issue because you're right, they will hold you to that most restrictive. And, that, and that's why it's so important to look at which carriers are kind of partner, partnering with other carriers. So that way you can just check it in one location, not have to worry about rechecking your bag once you arrive back in the States that will make you be forced to use those limits again. There used to be a, kind of an old school trick to this, which was uh, a lot of airports had bag check at the curb and then bag check inside. And the bag check at the curb was always staffed with contract workers who, who didn't work for the airline. They work for the airport. And so I remember many a time when I was younger and a few times more recently where they're not staffed with the airline employees. Uh, if you give them a good tip when you hand them the bag, then uh, they won't, they don't care how much it weighs or what it looks like. They're going to check it through because they don't have to handle it. So a lot of times, even if, if you're going to have to pay a $50 fee, give them a, you know, give them a 10 or $20 tip. And then suddenly, you know, all the fees go away. So sometimes the mileage may vary there. Other reason, good tip there on the partner airlines, Ashley, because the other reason to pay attention to partner airlines is you're flying a lot of miles when you go back and forth to Europe. So if you can find a partner airline that partners with the airline you fly the most, you will be getting mileage credit usually through those airlines into your kind of home airline account. And that can really boost your status with your home airline and also give you a ton of miles to use in the future on future flights. So uh, it's a good good tip to check in with your, you know, kind of the airline you fly the most if they've got any partners who might be flying where you're headed. So what else, Sam? What questions do you have? 
food. Have you thought about where you're going to be eating? Obviously on the cruise, the nice part about that, especially with young kids is, you know, all the food is really Americanized food. So you don't have to worry about whether your kids are going to be, you know, too picky and not eat what's, you know, at an international port. Worst case scenario is they don't eat much at lunch, but they'll eat a good breakfast and a good dinner because you'll be on the cruise. But on the front or the back end of your trip, have you given any thought yet? I know it's early, so this is real far in advance planning. Um, But have you given any thought to where you're going to be eating and and what kinds of cuisine you're going to be looking for? Meaning, are you going to be focused on uh, local cuisine? And I guess that depends on whether or not your kids are picky. You know, those are a great question. That is something that we not haven't had the chance to really look into yet, but I'm all for when you're in a different country or a different um, part of the United States to eat what those local cuisines are. That's a great way to ex- ex- expand your horizons and maybe find a new favorite food. Um, but that being said, with little children, I saw, I usually have a little bit of like a protein bar or a snack that I bring along for the worst case scenarios where maybe that fish isn't the most appetizing to their palate. And we plan to do that as well for when we're on the cruise is to bring some Ziploc baggies, stash away some things from cabanas that morning. So if they get hungry on the excursion or they're not up to what's at lunch and we're too far away from the ship, they can have a little munch for lunch instead of turning their nose up and not eating anything at all. Yeah, that's a good idea. You may have some restrictions about what you can bring off, but if you generally speaking... If it's in a, a package, if it's prepackaged, you can usually, most ports allow you to bring uh, prepackaged foods. So you may not be able to fill up a Ziploc bag, but you can grab one of those, you know, uh, one of those cereal things from the morning breakfast and take that off because it's fully sealed or a bag of chips or like you said, protein bars are a great, you know, great idea. Yeah, I think it sounds like you you are thinking well ahead in those kinds of strategies just in case your kids are really not fond of some of that foreign food. And a lot of the Disney excursions on the ship usually have lunch included when you're at port on these European days that are longer and maybe further away from the port. Um, so that way you can have the Disney typical Disney fare that they have there as well as some local cuisine that's more geared for the adults of the the party. For the excursions, you're right. I think they, while they might want to introduce you to some authentic cuisine at the same time, they're probably going to take you to a restaurant that at least has, you know, some plain pasta or something for your kids to eat in case they're not really wanting to be adventurous. Ashley, has there been any complications with uh, with COVID and your ability to, to get into certain countries or navigating, you know, what's going to be required? I mean, look, we're in, what is it now? March. We're in mid-March and your trip is not until August. So by then, <laughs> all bets are off in terms of what's what's required or not based on the direction things are headed. But, have the, but has that complicated things at all? Or have you been monitoring that? And how are you monitoring that? It is a very fluid situation, it appears, on all fronts of the countries that we're going to. And luckily, Google has a great way to track everything. You know, you can put the countries that you're going to and they can give you alerts whenever there's a change. So it looks like recently Canada as well as Iceland have changed their restrictions. So we are able to go into Iceland without testing. You just need to be vaccinated or um, I don't even think you have to do that anymore, actually. Um, But since we are over the age of five, to be on the cruise, everyone has to be vaccinated. So that kind of eases our ability to get into some of these countries without the testing now. Nice. Yeah, that's a good tip. And hopefully, and luckily with the Facebook groups, there's a a plethora of people who are also in the same boat as we are. So they are all, we're all looking out for each other and keeping each other updated with the latest news and ideas and ways to get around the countries that we're going to. Are you getting a sense from the Facebook group as to if there are a lot of European cruisers on your, on your sailing? Obviously, we know any of the Disney cruises are going to be heavily American. But sailing over in Europe, you'll probably have a, a nice size portion of the clientele international. Have you? Hey, can you get any sense of that from the group currently? Um, from what it appears right now, it's a largely American based, at least for the Facebook group that we have. There are some uh, England people from England that are also in the group and they're concerned about their children and being able to be vaccinated fully if Disney does not change the requirements before the, the, the days of the cruise. That's right. I forget that the UK is is far behind us in in child vaccinations at this point. Well, and you're getting really close for these cruises. Like I think our cruise is 160 something days out. So you're starting to you're starting to get close to those pay in full dates, uh, especially for your cruise, which is uh, about a month before ours, I think. So, yeah, hopefully some information coming out of Disney about that for sure, because I think folks will have to make a decision about whether they're going to sort of fish or cut bait on the cruise, so to speak. Um, uh, the cruise group is, though, a good a good tip. And I'm glad, Sam, you asked about 
the locals aspect of it. Because in our Norway cruise group, I've seen lots of folks just asking for tips around where to stay in London, things to do, restaurants to eat at. How are folks getting you know, from London to the terminal? If they want to stay out in Dover, where are folks staying? And so the locals have been sort of chiming in because they've got their own little tips and tricks that they have. So great to connect with the Facebook group for your cruise for those kinds of tips and things. So that's a great, great suggestion. Are you staying in London at the tail end of it or are you flying straight, straight back home? Unfortunately, we are flying straight back home. The children are already missing their first week of school for this trip. So we decided maybe we need to just head back home and get the school year started. Yeah, that we can appreciate that. You got to pick your battles in terms of where you're going to spend the time for sure. And uh, we've pulled Nathan out of school several times this year uh, to go on fabulous vacations with us. So we, yeah, we get it. <laughs> we get it for sure. Yeah. There's only so much time you can uh, justify to the school. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's cultural learning, Sam. It's cultural That's learning. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, for listeners out there, Sam and I will do a show about our planning for London at some point in the future because London is one of our favorite cities. So if you were headed over to London with Disney Cruise Line, we've got you covered with some tips and tricks and, you know, not just the major sites, but kind of the off the beaten path stuff that we've learned from having friends live over there and visiting London so many times ourselves. So we'll be sure to share those with you. And we look forward to hearing from all of you after that show about your favorites. So uh, if we've missed tips or tricks on this show, I should also call out, let us know. Uh, and we will either do an update or make sure that those get out in some way, maybe a blog post over our, on our redesigned website, dclduo.com. And you know we want to make sure that we're sharing information back. So if you've got tips and tricks yourself for international travel, let us know those. Sam, what haven't we asked? Anything we haven't covered here for the tips and tricks standpoint? I can't think of anything before we move to rapid fire, but Ashley, are, is there anything you feel like we've missed in any additional tips and tricks or, or thinking as you're planning for this amazing trip? Um, the only one I would add would be to look at Disney excursions versus doing them on your own. You know, uh, Brian, you kind of talked about doing the pre-trip planning on your own with a private tour company, but there are ways to kind of get around the Disney excursions, but doing something that's very similar. Um, for example, in Norway, there was this beautiful kayaking trip that looked amazing for our family. We like to be out on the water and do things kind of active while we're in different places. And unfortunately, Disney had the age set limit at 12 and above. Well, that doesn't really work for a seven and a 10 year old. So I was able to go to Viator actually do a the town that we're going to as well as city kayak. And sure enough, the same tour company that Disney uses came up and their price is significantly better than what Disney is uh, offering it out. That's amazing. What a gr that is a perfect tip. I love it. Yeah, we've heard that about that in Alaska too, that you can go check out the helicopter tour. If you can figure out who Disney's using, you can go check out the tour company or tour operator directly to book. And then a lot of times you'll be standing right next to people wearing those fun Disney character stickers on their shirt, getting on the same helicopter to do the same tour, but for like half the price. So that's a good, that's a good, great tip when you're traveling internationally is to check out those uh, private options that aren't necessarily the Disney excursions. So that's a great Especially tip. Especially with the age limits, you know, you know your child best. And yes, Disney has the age age limits, maybe for a safety factor. But if you feel comfortable doing those with your children, then you can find ways to go about it. As well as get some ideas from the excursions. There's one and when we're in Scotland, my husband likes scotch and wants to try the distillery. Well, there's only one excursion that Disney offers that goes to a scotch distillery and it's eight hours long. You have to be 18 and over to be able to partake in that excursion. And we don't feel comfortable leaving the children on the ship for that long. You know, even the, the kids that love the kids clubs, eight hours is kind of a long time. So we were able to do an another Disney excursion and then come back and grab a, a quick taxi or ride share and get to that distillery and kind of do our own tour while the kids are enjoying the kids club. That's a great tip on looking for your own excursions because we actually had a guest on not too long ago who talked about finding a fantastic like catamaran excursion in the Caribbean to visit. I forget the name of the island now, but you know, it was something he had to book on his own, but he said they loved it. And he was talking it up to us. And I'm like, well, that sounds like an amazing opportunity. The risk you run is always that your excursion is running late or the thing breaks down or whatever it is. And then you are a YouTube video that will live in infamy as you race down the port as the ship is literally pulling away from the dock because it will not wait for you. <laughs> so that's the risk. But, but to be fair, I don't know how often that really happens. So 
I think we've reached that point in our show where I'm going to hand you over to Sam for Rapid Fire. The last show we did with you, Ashley, was a bonus episode. And so welcome to the Rapid Fire round for your full episode, your first full episode with us. And so, Sam, take it away. Woohoo! So, Ashley, I know you listened to our show, so I, I need not go over the rules at length. The only rule is there are no rules, right? So tell us, what is your favorite Disney or Pixar character? Oh, that's a tough one. I'm going to say Rapunzel, and I'm so excited to eat at Rapunzel's Royal Table on the Magic. Oh my goodness. And you'll get to see the Rapunzel stage show as well, the Tangled uh, Tangled stage show, I should say. It's supposed to be fantastic. It's the only it's the only ship Brian and I have not been on yet, the Magic, and so it's the only one of the stage shows currently running that I have not seen. But I hear it's even better than Beauty and the Beast from Oh, a that few was a folks. wonderful show. I'm excited. And I'm trying to get the kids to dress up as thuggos for dinner, but they're not quite <laughs> on board yet. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That would be amazing. All right. What is your favorite Disney or Pixar movie? That is a tough one. Um, right now, I feel like it's got to, I got to say Encanto. It's on repeat at our house. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's going to dovetail really nicely with the next question, which which is what is your favorite Disney song? Uh, well, since there's no rules, I'm going to pick one. I have a special song with each uh, child of mine. So my oldest, our song is Baby Mine from Dumbo. And with my youngest, it is You'll Be In My Heart. Oh my goodness. These are both songs that make everyone cry. I love it. Um, I, right now, my new favorite is Surface Pressure from Encanto. So that is a good one. All right. Favorite rotational dining from your, your, I'll call it your recent, because it was just a couple months ago, your recent cruise on the dream. Favorite rotational dining. I would say we really enjoyed Royal Court. That was a lot of great options on that one. Did the princesses come through as well? Yes, they did. And I have two boys who are very shy and embarrassed when they came by to get that attention from those lovely ladies. Oh, so cute. I love it. All right. Favorite activity on board? Trivia. I am a trivia fiend. We were very fortunate and we're able to go four out of five for first place on our trivia. Wow. Which categories are you guys really good at? Um, let's see. We won two different Disney tunes. We won a Disney Pixar and then a general Disney. That's super impressive, Ashley, because th- these are there are a lot of super competitive Disney trivia folks on board these cruises. And so that's wow. That's pretty amazing. Congratulations. Well, thanks. It was a lot of fun. It's, it's almost like an addiction that I was like, I have to go again. Let's try again. We, we, we lost Marvel trivia. And I must say, I was awful at that one. It, my husband really pulled the weight on that one. I <laughs> love it. Favorite space on the ship? Oh, you know, we didn't really spend too much time the upper decks just because it was kind of a, we were on the cruise during that really chilly week. Um, so I would probably say I loved probably just our stateroom. We had a, a lovely veranda and it was just great to sit out there and read for a little bit as well as go to um, like evolution. That was a lot of fun in the evenings. Favorite food item, and let's let's set aside dessert because I'm going to ask you a separate question about dessert. So, non-dessert food item that you had. Oh, that's tough. Um, you know, it was so hard not to find a favorite that you guys have talked about the whole time. So, I might have to say the the black truffle prosets. Yes. All right. Take that, Josh. <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> All right. Favorite dessert. Stop item. alienating specific listeners, Samantha. <laughs> Josh, we love you and you're a Patreon and we appreciate you. Favorite dessert item on the ship. That Grand Marnier souffle was delicious. I had to ask for it twice. <laughs> that is a, a big crowd pleaser. It's not my favorite, but I, I do know that's a lot of people's favorites. So it doesn't surprise me too much. All right. And then my last question is a bucket list cruise. And let's not, let's keep out of this your Copenhagen to Dover cruise. I was going to say, that sounds like a bucket list cruise if there ever was one. So yeah. Exactly. That's what I mean. That one is a bucket list. But if you could go anywhere on Disney Cruise Line, they don't even have to currently sail there. Where would you go? I would love to take Disney Cruise Line on like a New Zealand Australian cruise. Yes, that's, that's, that's one of mine as well. So I have to, I have a, a few. There was a ton of speculation that was going to happen. And that's the ton of speculation that was the whole reason the wonder is now staying on the West Coast. And uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, maybe we'll hear something about it uh, in the 2023 or itineraries or beyond, because I think that would be a fantastic uh, market. It could easily head over to Hawaii and then 
head from there over to New Zealand. And yeah. yeah, the Aussies and the Kiwis love Disney too. So it's an untapped English speaking, you know, market. You know, there are certainly Aussies and Kiwis that go on some of the European cruises and some of the Caribbean cruises, but it's quite far for them. So I well, think they and a great really- a great a great winter market for because here keeping the wonder here for Christmas time, the weather will be on board at Christmas time. The wonder in Mexico, the weather will be probably okay, right? But over in New Zealand, Australia, that is their summer. So they barbecue at Christmas time. So I think it'd be great to be over there in the summer. I would definitely take a cruise to Hawaii and then on to New Zealand. Uh, maybe a good a good use of my uh, my sabbatical. <laughs> Well, Ashley, fantastic having you back on. When you get done with your 11 night sailing, please let us know and reach back out because we want to hear all about it and all about how these tips and tricks, you know, worked out or maybe if you learned anything new, you know, any hiccups or anything that you experienced along the way. So reach back out. We'd love to have you back and hear all about it. But thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you. And I got some great ideas from you guys as well from our conversation today. And I just want to say congrats on season three of your show. Thank Thank you you. so much, Ashley. (laughs) Not possible without listeners and guests and and great folks like you. So we appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Well, after doing that show, I can tell you I am just even more excited about our international trip coming up in September. We have the wish in between, so I can't, you know, diminish my excitement to be on board the wish for the maiden voyage and the dvc cruise following it'll be an eight magical nights on board a brand new ship but i am really looking forward to our trip over to london and sailing out of dover and seeing the norwegian fjords so we're going to make european sailing i think a little bit more of a habit for us going forward so these discussions around international travel are just a lot of fun and sam and i have missed being able to get out internationally during the pandemic so can't wait to head back over to london with that i do have another five-star review to read on the air this week and this is a good one i have been waiting for a while to read this one because i just love the title and I know it's from uh, Gail Hartleroad, who's been on our podcast before. We'll be back soon and we'll finally get a chance at a rapid fire round. So thank you, Gail, for this review, which reads smart and snappy. Of all the DCL podcasts, the DCL duo, Brian and Sam, are my favorite. Why? They are experienced Disney cruisers themselves. They stay on top of the news and seek unique topics and guests. I greatly appreciate they are educated, well-spoken, yet don't take themselves too seriously. They also are open to others' views and opinions, unlike some hosts of other shows. They are pro-Disney, but will also call out when DCL is lacking, thus encouraging maintaining high standards. A strong podcast, and I'm excited to see where and how it grows in the future. Well, Gail, we really appreciate the review, as I said before. We're excited to see where this podcast goes, and it's great guests like you and our listeners out there who may this show what it is so thank you for the review thank you for coming on and thank you to everyone out there as always for listening this week to the show we really appreciate it remember to head over to apple Podcasts and hit that subscribe button to the show so you get the great new content coming from us each and every week also be sure to leave us a five-star review over there so like gail you can have your review read on the air for everyone to hear we love 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 the reviews and connecting with our listeners so thank you so much head over there leave us one of those five-star reviews if you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at DCL Duo. You can also join the DCL Duo vlog and podcast Facebook group if you'd like to join a conversation with some like-minded DCL Duo fans and cruisers like yourself. Just head over there and hit join. You can also head over to youtube.com slash DCL Duo for even more great content. We do have some more videos coming out of our vacations. I'm slowly working through the video backlog and figuring that out, but we got some more great content to come over there. If you'd like to help support the show, you can always browse to patreon.com slash DCL Duo to join one of our monthly support tiers. We've had several new Patreons come on board We're excited to have them on board and we will be calling out their names in future shows. So head over there, become a Patreon. Uh, Some of our higher tier Patreons got some great swag from us this month. So head over there and join. You can also support our show by heading over to touringplans.com slash travel to book your next fabulous Disney vacation. Just let them know the DCL Duo sent you. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night. Good night.